0: The best tech conference of the year is coming to Las Vegas November 28th through December 2nd and MongoDB will be there. Check us out at booth 1611 for prizes, swag and to learn all about the Atlas Developer Data Platform. Can't make it to the show but still want to enjoy the fun? Check out the MongoDB live stream for live interviews and discussions of all the exciting announcements from the show. Visit mongodb.com/reinvent for more information. Welcome to the podcast. In this episode, we continue our series on MongoDB Realm, diving into Android and Kotlin. Joining us today, once again, Shane McAllister. And we're joined by Christian Melchior, lead developer in the Java Kotlin space at MongoDB Realm. Talks about how he got started over 20 years ago as a web developer, transitioning from JavaScript and PHP into the mobile space. Today, he focuses on the Android, Java, and most recently, the Kotlin space. If you're developing mobile applications using these technologies, this episode's for you. I hope you enjoy it. Before we get to the episode, did you know that the MongoDB.Live Innovation Award nominations are open now? Well, what are the MongoDB Innovation Award nominations, you might be asking? Are you or someone you know building something amazing with MongoDB? Well, you can nominate them, or even yourself, for a MongoDB Innovation Award. These awards are given out every year to celebrate projects and people who are using their data to build compelling applications that expand the limits of technology with the MongoDB data platform. Head on over to mongodb.com live for more information and to nominate a project today. Just a note, submissions will be accepted until April 16th.
1: You're listening to the MongoDB Podcast. MongoDB Podcast. Exploring the world of software development, data, and all things MongoDB. And now your hosts, Michael Lin and Nick Raboy.
0: Hey, Nick, how are you? I'm doing great, Mike. How about yourself? You know, it's, a, it's another great day. Uh, we've got a great podcast episode lined up. And... Um, yeah, just some some really great stuff happening on the podcast. What's going on in your world? In my world, I am
1: doing a lot of development around gaming, and I think we talked about this on a previous episode as well. Yeah, um, so that's kind of where my my jam has been lately. How about yourself? Yeah,
0: so doing a little bit of PHP, bringing the PHP back. We're going to do a quick start. We've got that coming out next week. We'll have a, a PHP quick start hitting the the developer hub, and uh, you know it brought back some old. Some some old memories. I haven't been working in PHP for quite some time, but uh yeah, Are those good memories. Changed. No, they're good. They're good memories, of course. Yeah, PHP and my and and MongoDB. Yeah, all good. But um, awesome. Man. That's not what we're talking about today, Nick. You know what we're talking about today? Uh, I believe we're talking about some more realm. Yeah, we're going to continue the realm series, and and our good friend Shane McAllister is back. Welcome back to the podcast, Shane. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Nick. Good to, good that you allow me back on here again. I do appreciate
1: it. Always <laughs> oh, great to have you this back is, on. This is what your your fifth or sixth visit now, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get what they call squatters rights. So I'm gonna be allowed to stay
0: here because of the amount of <laughs> yeah. episodes I've managed to gate crash. All right, so let's let's just tally where we're at um in terms of the realm series. So we've covered um a bit of the history of Realm, and we had Alexander on to talk about the the history alexander and ian and Mm -hmm. and then we had we had jason flax yeah from the coco team and today what's going on
2: today shane so today we're, we're jumping from ios to android ecosystem and and i'm glad to be joined today by christian melchior who is the lead developer in java kotlin at realm so he's going to Do hopefully what Jason did in the last episode for the Android side of things in the Realm SDK.
0: So welcome, Christian. Good to have you.
3: Thank you. It's very nice to be here.
0: It's great to have you on the show. Well, Christian, why don't you give the audience a little bit of background. Tell us who you are and what you do.
3: So yeah, right now, I guess I'm working on on the Realm Java team, uh, where we're working on the Java and content SDKs for Realm. So that's basically what I'm doing. So we're a team of five right now. So, that, and we, yeah, it's pretty exciting. So yeah, that's basically what I do. Uh, so, and of course we are working together with all the other SDK teams to make an awesome product.
2: Great. So we got um, a little kind of pop quiz going. We did this with Jason and, and we, we spent quite a few minutes talking about it the last time. So I promise not to take so long this time. We asked, you know, what was your first phone or what was your first smartphone? So, so with Jason Flax, he had an LG flip phone. Um, with Mr. Mike Lynn there, we had a briefcase sized phone that took up most of his car. We won't go there. It's, it's too far <laughs> back. Uh, Nick had an indestructible Nokia, as did I, to start off. Uh, so Christian, wh- where was your first mobile experience? What was your first phone and what was your first smartphone?
3: So of course, like everyone, so I'm living in Denmark, which is the Nordics. So of course, like everyone else, I had a had a Nokia. <laughs> uh, my first phone was a Nokia 3210, I think it was, like those indestructible phones. Ditto, likewise. Snake. So yeah. So actually, my I had just bought my daughter a copy of that phone uh, last year because she's old enough to actually get a phone right now. So <laughs> and it still lasts forever and can take a beating. So that's great.
2: Did it bring you back to those good old days, as we discussed the last time, when phones were just phones and could send texts? Life was easier.
3: So they have gotten a little more advanced, and it did bring me back, but not in a good way, because the phones weren't actually that that good.
2: <laughs> so, so yeah, we've come a long way. Good. So look, I, I suppose we, we've gone back in time there. I, I suppose the next logical question for you, Christian, is what? how did you get started in your mobile career?
3: Uh, So actually, I started out uh, doing web development. Uh, So that is close to 20 years ago at this point, I think. And I actually started out doing uh, JavaScript and PHP. So yeah, I've done PHP as well. (laughs) Uh, And then that's sort of gradually transitioned to mobile at some point. Uh, I was at university at that point and I had to make uh, I wanted to do something for mobile for my thesis uh, and yeah those mobile phones look really interesting and so I, I wrote a thesis about how you how you energi- ener- do energy optimizations uh, for locations on, on mobile phones and actually at that point I had a choice between it, like writing my thesis using the Symbian system from Nokia, or or this new thing called Android, and I, I chose wisely, wisely, and, and and used Android. So and have been here ever since. So that, that's ten years ago. So yeah, uh, and I started out uh, in a consultancy where we did normal apps, and then six years ago I joined the own team because uh, all the problems we we kept heading into, I, I saw a chance of fixing that with ROL. So,
1: so yeah. Um, so so you mentioned that your your decision was either Android or Symbian, right? So how I mean. How did you end up as those two for your options? I mean you're you're a JavaScript web developer. Java is a fairly different language. I don't know what Symbian uses. What was that like to switch from web to mobile?
3: So back then it was very it was very different, I would say. I mean web was web. So uh you you could of course do I I I tried building like mobile websites. At, at, uh, at that back then, and that did work, but of course you, you lacked all the capabilities of accessing the GPS and uh, and and doing like location tracking and movement tracking, and, and that was what I was interested in. And then you needed the hardware capabilities, so you you'd have to learn Java, right, <laughs> and 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 dive into the into the, into the Android system to do that. Uh, but I think that's what excited me the most was the capabilities you had suddenly had. So none of these were available on the website right? uh, and of course they have gradually gotten there uh, and today I would say you can do a, definitely do a lot of cool stuff on the web but like the the native side is still like ahead in terms of what you can
0: actually do. So. I'm curious about that. We've come a long way. There's a lot of different ways to approach application development. You know, what are what are the advantages today with going native versus developing for web and then and then back porting it into a, a mobile experience.
3: So I think the, the primary reason is performance. Um, so if you want to do any sort of, if you, if you have like, a a high profile app for your company, uh, of course you can do it in, in web and that will actually, it will work fine. But like, if you want to do all the cool stuff, cool animations and access, like all the cool hardware uh you you sh- so at least on the Android, because android phones are so diverse it's very hard to get that uniform experience across devices that's a lot easier if you go to the native layer, where you have a lot more performance to play around with uh so i think it's mostly a matter of if, if you want to have to have this really immersive experience uh then you still have to go native but of course there's a lot of use cases where native is just overkill because then you in most cases you have to develop the app twice right once for one for Android and one for iOS, which is of course expensive.
2: So Christian, you said you joined Realm six years ago. Um obviously, you know, that was quite early in, in you know, relatively early in Realm's inception and probably quite you know, still quite early in Android as well, too, to be perfectly honest. You know, Android certainly lagged behind um, you know, iOS. What was the you know, the state of the local mobile database prior to Realm on Android? You know, what were you know, what were the alternatives? What you know, problems did they have and what problems did Realm solve?
3: So it was very different than what the problem was on iOS. On, on Android, basically Google, all they had was the native SQLite APIs as like a raw interface. So you had to like write your queries manually as strings. You had to, you, get, you got a cursor back, you had to map that cursor to some mm-hmm. objects. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of that you had to do manually if you just use the Google APIs, and of course that was a nightmare, and no one wanted to do that. <laughs> so, so, so for that reason, uh, like there was like an explosion of ORMs that were being developed, um, which meant I think I did my first talk in 2015, and I counted them at that point. Uh, we had I think I counted 20 ORMs on Android, right? Like, and all of those were wow. basically wow. being developed by the single developers or like maybe a few and none of them were really well maintained and like there was just like this huge uh field where none non- no one really sort of there wasn't a clear cut when all the, like core data on on iOS right so everyone did their own thing mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. was just a nightmare so so that's basically where we came in uh, and said we can do all of this a lot nicer also because then there was like a company backing it right which of course meant a Lot as well
2: so i mean obviously realm came in to solve some of those problems what were the you know the early wins what were the biggest problems at that time was it uniformity of structure was it you know data persistence connectivity etc
3: um so i think there were two two wins so one was that of course sqlite is, is a relational database and and that is perfectly fine but it is, it is relational so so it doesn't really map that well into your object-oriented languages and that is where Realm really comes in and it makes a massive difference because at, at the core level we are object-oriented as well which means like our data structures map natively to the code you, you actually write in Java right so that's that's that was a huge benefit and it still is that is still a huge benefit today so the other thing was around reactivity so so we were sort of like the first database that really had like change listeners at a core level as really fine change listeners that, that only notified you when a thing changed. All of that was really hard to do with SQLite, if it even worked at all, right? So so be, just being able to be mm-hmm. notified mm-hmm. when a part of your UI changed, that was extremely powerful.
1: So um, at, at some point in time in the past, I was an Android developer. Um, and I remember working with SQLite, I always had a hard time with the asynchronous part, because I think even even though that, SQLite was local to the to the mobile device. You still had to worry about uh, device orientation changes and things like that. Does does Realm offer anything to aid with that, or maybe maybe it's not even an issue with Android anymore? And I'm just old.
3: So I think you're just <laughs> old. At, at this point, you're just
1: old. <laughs> so yeah, maybe so no, no, no. So it, uh,
3: it that has been a, a huge problem for a long while. Uh, so so Google has have like taken steps to address it that they have these new uh, view models and, and whatnot, which sort of handles this sort of thing. But yeah, uh, back then we didn't, like Realm itself didn't do anything to address that, but that wasn't like really a problem for us because we were just like the storage layer, right? So 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 we just had to make it easy. So if, if an activity was sort of destroyed and, and recreated, people just needed a pattern for, for Fetching their data again, and, and that, that that pattern looked like anything they already did, right? So, it it wasn't like we we made a difference there in, in that sense, but we didn't like make things worse either. So, so yeah. Uh, but this is actually some of the things we are looking at right now for uh, for the new Kotlin SDK we're working on. That that is some of the things we are actually actively looking at.
2: Aha, you you mentioned the new Kotlin SDK, and we we do want to get to that. I suppose I still want to stay a little bit back in the past in terms of Android and. You know, as an operating system, you, you know, and competing against iOS, Android was, you know, more open, you know, manufacturers could go in and do their own flavor Um, you know, people could go under the hood. They could essentially root phones, change the OS's, do whatever they want to do. How much of a problem did that pose in the early days of Realm and trying to, you know, not only build your own product, but also you know, stay along essentially with the moving train that was Android at that time?
1: So
3: I, I would say Android itself wasn't a big problem because as, as, as a database, we actually didn't like hook into that many APIs on the Android side. Uh, so okay. actually okay. for a long while, we actually supported all the way back to API level nine, which is like ancient at this point, just because yeah. like we were just yeah. our own thing. Uh, but what has definitely been a problem is is the diversity in devices and the manufacturers doing their own thing. Like, we had spent, like, countless hours trying to fix bugs on Samsung, Huawei, mm-hmm. and, like, all the other media ones. And because, like, Realm is, is built on native code, and, and it, for some reason, that that seems mm-hmm. to not be as well tested, or there are definitely bugs there that not not a lot of people run into. So, and then we run, run into them and have to figure out what the hell is going on. Uh, so, yeah, so we definitely had our fair share of headaches around that, uh, and we still do today. So So, yeah, so... But that's, that's part of the fun,
2: right? So, <laughs> Part of the fun, maybe, for some people, Christian. I, I remember back in the day when we were I was building apps in a previous life, it was, it was always very interesting to watch crash reports surface up from Android devices, because not only did you have the, the OS to consider, you had all of these myriad of different types of devices, handset manufacturers you'd never heard of before, and you're trying to debug something very, very small. So I can imagine that was incredibly tricky throughout the process
3: uh it was so for a long while we also had like a device lab of our own in our in our office in Copenhagen just because someone reported like a bug and we just have had no way of figuring out what the hell it was so we we went out and bought that phone or whatever and tried to debug it specifically on that right and and i think that was the case for a lot of people around like and it still is that that sometimes there's a bug that only happened on a specific device and then you sort of forced to either go out to a device farm and try to try it there or buy the phone yourself (laughs) and play around with it. So, so yeah, it it, it is uh, interesting. I would say,
0: yeah. So that covers devices. I, I get it. I mean, yeah, you obviously have to get your hands on a lot of different devices, but what about developing applications in the user land space? You, you've obviously been working, um, developing the realm database itself. First of all, what are you working in when you develop realm? And tell me about your experience developing user land applications, so you get the feel for what the true end uh, end developer, the end user of the product.
3: So, so I would say, like everyone on the Java team today has has made applications in some form back in the day, right? So all of us have have had the pain and experience of being app developers ourselves, <laughs> which I think is is, is huge, hugely beneficial. Uh, so yeah, so, so so that that's one thing. But of course we. Once you start working on libraries, you sort of lose touch with that a little bit. So, so we are sort of, yeah, we are still trying, trying from time to time to build like demo apps and and whatnot, just to to, to keep ourselves up to date and and just being in touch with the with the ecosystem. Because yeah, li- libraries come out every day, right? So, and and we sort of have to every time a new library comes out, we sort of have to evaluate. Okay, does this impact us in some way? Like, for example, when RxJava became a big thing, that actually, that impacted how we thought about data persistence and, and stuff like that. right? So, um, so yeah, um, so, so it's, it's definitely something we have to work at to, to keep ourselves up to date with that, what's happening.
0: And tell me a little bit about the de- the demo apps that are available today. Are those worked on by the team in a cross-platform fashion?
3: uh so we have w- one app right now which is called which is the WildAid app i think you you had that on your show uh, a few episodes ago no, i'm
0: am right. I'm a, I'm a contributor yeah
3: so <laughs> so th- th- that's one of the examples right, where we are sort of diving deep into into the like app code and seeing okay what sort of patterns are are being uh, applied here and, and 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 what is there anything we we can sort of optimize because like what we basically our job is basically to to remove obstacles for the app developers right and a lot of these obstacles are just small things that no one really might mention if you talk to them about things. It just, once you actually sit with an app, you, you might notice, okay, wow, this method here might like a parameter to do something, or I need this helper method over here to do this thing, or all of these small things that if you just ask an app developer, they might not realize that's what they're missing. You only get that experience, You only get that sort of knowledge if you play around with it yourself. So that's also why we're trying to like, Still trying to at least make demo apps just to to keep ourselves.
2: So before we move on to today and the now and all the really cool stuff that you're working on, just go back and go back to 2019 on the acquisition of Realm by MongoDB. What changed in that space for you, Christian, at that time? How did you view that and what was different and how how has your team grown since then?
3: So Back when we were acquired, we actually had to reduce the team by quite a lot because, yeah, uh, we had this—we uh, were trying to monetize the sync—the uh, sync capabilities that 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 wasn't going as fast as we wanted to. So, and we of course had to use a lot of resources on that, and that also meant that we sort of had to. we we couldn't focus as much on the pure local side database as as we wanted. And and, and that solved a bit for it, uh, to be honest. So with the acquisition, we fortunately got the resources now to actually build the team up again uh, and actually refocus on the data, just the local database experience. Uh, And that's that's super, super nice to actually be be part of that process as well, because, yeah, of course, MongoDB has a lot more resources uh, that can solve this problem. And, And fortunately, like, Mongo and Realm had the same view about making it easier for developers, right? So it, it, it's so in that perspective, nothing really changed in terms of our vision for how the product should look like, um, which is pretty awesome. And I don't think you see that often in in terms of acquisitions.
2: So I like that you you said that MongoDB had you know the ambition to make everything easier for developers. Alexander Stigson, who was on, had a great line insofar as he said, "Any line of code you don't have to write is a good line of code." um and i thought that <laughs> i thought that really summed up realm and you know how how we're going about things now i want to jump right up to date and and talk about kotlin and i know we have a, a new kotlin sdk um so can you tell us more about that and i suppose in the context of you know why kotlin is important for android developers
3: so so i guess kotlin became important for android like three years ago, uh, when when Google officially announced support for Kotlin. Uh, so, I mean, Kotlin, you, you, can have, you can write Java code, Java code and, and Kotlin code can interrupt seamlessly, right? So, so in theory, there's no reason for us to do any, any changes uh, to support Kotlin. Actually, our Java SDK works perfectly fine in Kotlin. Uh, but of course, there's a lot of nice features in Kotlin that might that are not available in Java. So if you are a native Kotlin developer, there are newer things like coroutines uh, that aren't available in, in Java. And, and while you you could in theory do it, it, it would just be like a huge nightmare to actually try to try to call a coroutine from Java. Um, so those are the sort of things that we are looking at and say, okay, this is this is like being the, the predominant way of writing apps. Also because Google is is now officially saying that okay, if you start a new app, you should use Kotlin. Uh, and I think the latest numbers say that something like the top thousand apps, seventy percent of those are using Kotlin in some capacity. Uh, so of course, this, this is this is something we really want to support at a native level. Uh, and so the reason we are we are like basically rewriting the SDK from scratch instead of just like building some some Kotlin extensions on top of the Java one is that now we have a chance to. So one go back and rethink like our entire paradigm around how we think about persistence. Uh, so there are some cool changes coming to the Kotlin SDK, and at the same time, so JetBrains, which is behind Kotlin, have this uh, platform they call Kotlin Cut, uh, Multiplatform, which basically allows you to write code in Kotlin and then compile it for both Android and iOS. Uh, so we are actually writing our Kotlin SDK in that. So that means that if you're writing if you're writing your Kotlin code there, you can actually Built your app for both iOS and Android, and then you just have to re- write the view code uh, around it. But like all the business logic and persistence, and and whatnot, you you can you can only write once, uh, which is pretty pretty cool.
1: Um, in regards to Java and Kotlin, um, even though that you said they're essentially almost the same nowadays, I think, um, do you still get the same features between the two? Like if I were to build an app in in Java, uh, would I be able to upgrade it to say Kotlin and, and have all of my features in existence? Or would I lose anything, or vice versa?
3: So if you're ta- so our cut. So if you're talking, you're just talking about the case, or yeah, the languages themselves. So um, so the case. So the, SDK- so the cut SDK is the case. Still very much in alpha. So so we wouldn't recommend you trying to build any sort of production app on it you can you can it's 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 it is open sourced already and you you can find it on github uh, but it's it's mostly in preview right now we're still building out like everything right now so so I, it, it's mostly in developer preview so you can play around with it if you want uh, but yeah so I wouldn't recommend it to to for actually production years so there I would still go to java uh, so actually in the java SDK we have uh we have some thing call cut and extensions on top which means that if you are writing in Kotlin, we automatically detect that and apply those. So for example, these nice features like like coroutines are available in Java. If you are writing in Kotlin with a Java SDK, you have these coroutines and whatnot available.
1: Now, um, you, you mentioned being able to write in Kotlin and uh, have code exported for um, iOS. Is, is Kotlin or Android Studio or whatever you're using, is that actually building an iOS application or is it just producing a project file? or a project package that you can then turn around and use with the swift SDK or something like that.
3: So it's, it's the later, so you're basically getting a library. You have to embed in your own. So it's basically like, instead of embedding the realm library, you embed like the, your Kotlin multi-platform project, which of course then gives you access to, to all your code. So, so that's how it how it works.
0: So I want to clarify on that. <clears throat> so I, as a developer. I can choose to leverage the iOS Coco SDK and develop for the iOS platform natively. Or what I'm hearing is that I can, as a Java Kotlin developer, I can develop using the Kotlin libraries or, or Java and then use Kotlin extensions and then uh, export a library that I can pull into an iOS project, compile, and essentially have multi-platform.
3: Um, not 100%. So, so the current Java uh, SDK is not at all compatible with iOS. We do need the new Kotlin SDK for that, and that there's no extension to that. But that's that is natively there. We're actually reversing the the way we look at it. While the Java SDK is Java first with Kotlin on top. Now with the Kotlin SDK, it, it it is going to be Kotlin first, and then we're going to like of course make adjustments to make it nicer from Java. So, but if you write it in in the Kotlin SDK, then yeah, you would it would be available in in iOS, while the Java Java SDK wouldn't. I hope that
0: that answers your question. Yeah, that clears it up. Thank you. And then um, we've got a question about Flutter. What's going on in the Flutter space?
3: Yeah. So I guess so. Flutter is also really interesting, but since it's uh, developed by Google, uh, but it, it it's it's really outside like the 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 normal Android what you normally see as as, as Android, which is, is Java or Kotlin. So so while you now you can actually embed like Flutter uh specific code into your Android apps and, and in your Java apps and have that work. It it's sort of like two completely different uh systems. So so if you embed Flutter into your Android app, it, it's behaving more like a web view. So so they aren't really related, but I th- I think what's most interesting about flutter is is how they're also approaching this uh this paradigm of of how you build uis with uh just like you have uh swift ui and, and 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 combine on ios you have compose on android like that way of 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 going about building uis is also in flutter so that that's i think is is the most interesting thing at least for us so, uh, but yeah of course a lot of people are requesting Flutter support, and and we are working on it. But
2: yeah. So like it seems that your team of of five, you say, Christian, busy all the time. Then obviously with some so many projects on the on the go. Uh,
3: yeah. So so it's not our team that is that is building a Flutter. Uh, fortunately, otherwise we would be dead right now with stress somewhere. But uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we have we have plenty to do. So so I would say.
2: So you, I want to touch on two things. Um. And they're both slightly connected. Um, I'm a as a new Android developer, for example, where do I go to get started with the Realm SDKs? Uh, where do I go to install it? Um, where do I go to learn more, etc.?
3: So basically, the the MongoDB docs would be a great first place to start. Uh, there we have like tutorials, onboarding, like uh, your first an example, your first example apps you can just uh, download and play around with. Uh, alternatively, we also in our GitHub repo we have a number of example projects you can just clone and play around with.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: That would also be a great place to start. Um, but yeah, those two. Um, so we deploy our the Realm library itself right now is on JCenter, which is like the default uh, repository for, for for Java libraries. So, and there's a slight caveat there because Jaycent just announced that they are shutting down. So we are, we're, we are in a, oh yeah, we're in a lot of shambles right now, trying to move to a different place called Maven Central. So that should be done by the end of the okay. month. But yeah, it's it 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 threw a, a wrench in our wheels, I would say. So, but yeah, so that, but that it it should be basically a one-liner to get Realm into your, your app. So, so yeah
2: so that covers the new people to the realm uh, java sdks i'm an experienced android developer and you mentioned that you know realm is open source so how do i contribute how do i get involved um you know what are you seeing there amongst the community
3: so if you go to github on realm slash uh, realm slash java uh that is basically our github repo uh everything we do, we do is open source so all our issues are there all our discussions are there we are trying to link so We are trying to link to Google Docs if we have them elsewhere. So yeah, basically go there and have a look. So all the code is there.
1: So this episode has been super awesome so far, but I feel like I have a few more questions in regards to uh, the Kotlin functionality that we offer for Realm and Android. Is there any really awesome features that that uh, that you have going on right now?
3: Yeah. So I yeah, I think as as I mentioned, so we are working on this new. cutland sdk uh, which is like of course we are super super hyped about and the reason for that is that so when realm came out Realm java came out so we actually had a very different threading model than what other libraries had so where our threading model is is sort of uh, so because of how we view consistency then your objects are def- uh, uh, are constricted to just run on one thread and and th- and that is in, in that actually provides some very nice uh, guarantees around how you view multi, uh, multi-threaded apps. So there's a lot of guarantees about what, what can and cannot happen. Uh, but unfortunately, how the Android operating system is, is that because it's a multi-threaded system under the hood, uh, in a lot of cases, developers themselves developers themselves, don't really know what it, what, on what thread their objects are being accessed on. And, and that actually caused a lot of problems uh, in in the, in the in the ecosystem, and we had a lot of complaints around that. So even though we, we could say, oh, yeah, well, there's good reasons for this, and and like here's all of the advantages you get of it. So especially with the rise of RxJava and immutable data structures, which has really, really been like at a forefront uh, in in how developers approach uh, development on Android at least for the last couple of years, then this live this whole live objects with thread confined objects. Simply doesn't seem like the correct model anymore. So that's actually why for the Kotlin SDK we are actually instead of having these live objects, we are actually doing what is called frozen objects, which can then be read across all the threads. So that basically means that that yes, you can still listen to changes, um, but those changes will basically be frozen. And then you, instead of just you just have a single object that 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 changes underneath your hood, your your feet, and then you can just like refresh the view and it will read the new data. Instead we just we then freeze the data. So you you can work on that on any thread, and that sort of fits a lot better into this whole reactive uh, pattern of, of of unidirectional data flows where you are instead of um like mutating data, you are mapping data uh, between data structures. So 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 that that should enable the content SDK to work a lot more seamlessly with the current architecture at least on Android. So that is one of the things we are super into super about getting out there and see what people can do with.
0: And what's the time frame on that?
3: Yeah, so right now we are aiming to launch in beta around MongoDB Live in in July. Uh, of course, we hope to have something for the community a lot sooner than that, but that is sort of what we're aiming for right now. Uh, but yeah, we still have so because at least the cutline the Kotlin multi platform project is still alpha, so they're still changing a lot of things on their end. And we are still working with a lot of new technology. So of course, yeah, so it, what it is interesting. There's also a lot of like obstacles we have to, to, to get across before we get there. So, so, but yeah, so right now it, it, it looks like, like July.
0: Let's say I'm a developer. I'm interested in this. Where would I go to find out all the latest information?
3: So we have, so all of this is open source. So we have the realm dash Kotlin, uh, GitHub repository where you can yeah find all the work we're working on there. And just like the Java SDK, that is all open source, and we, and we have links to all our design docs and whatnot. So yeah, you, I would go there and and.
0: Now, are you active in the MongoDB community site at community.mongodb.com?
3: Yeah, so yeah, they can just you can ping me as well. Uh, I'm also active on Twitter. Uh, I'm also on Stack Overflow, so I, I guess you can find me pretty much everywhere. So, <laughs> <Okay>. so
0: yeah. <laughs> what's your What's your Twitter handle?
3: Uh, so it's chr milker. Uh, I guess we can okay. put a link somewhere.
0: <laughs> we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes for sure. Yeah. So Christian, uh, again, given
2: your experience with Realm over the years, um, and, and maybe you can't highlight or, or you know put your finger on it, but what is the favorite? If you were to do the, you know, the this thirty second pitch, we ask people, or you bumped into somebody at an event and say, why would I use Realm in my app? What would you What would you come back to them with?
3: So I, I would say it's because at it, at it at its heart. It, uh, Realm is uh, object-oriented database. So, just because of that fact, we can do things no other database can do in terms of being feeling native in the language you're using on on, on like Java and Kotlin. So, and uh, no matter what SQLite does, they will never get a, across uh, a bu- across that boundary of having you have to do joins to make relationships and. And whatnot, right? So, so, and we can we we can do all of those cool things. So that's also why right now we're working on more advanced data types like sets and maps, uh, which is basically impossible to do in a sane way in in SQL. Uh, and because we're an object-oriented database, we can do that those kind of
2: things. So in in the same way, then it's, it's obviously it's idiomatic. So you're saying, look, it's easier for developers to pick up. Um, would you care to qualify how easy it would be to get started with Realm in, in your mobile app if you're going to replace SQLite or something else?
3: It's really hard question. to tell, right? <laughs> so, so, but basically, it's it's a, like a one liner to start to open a realm. Uh, then you have to define a model class, which will hopefully should look pretty much like your standard uh, database entity you would not otherwise normally use. Uh, it has to extend a certain interface or base class, but that's that's it. Then you basically then you basically have something you can persist in the database. Uh, so yeah, so you could definitely get something running very very quickly.
2: And as a lead developer on the team, where, where do you go to learn, you know, how do you keep up to date with what's changing in the mobile dev environment out there? You know, conferences, events, blogs, websites, where, where do you go to, to keep on top of everything?
3: So I think that's actually one of the cool things about the Android uh, ecosystem because there are so so many resources available. But also because like the source code is op- like Google itself, Android itself is open source, right? So anyone can go in and dive into into the specifics of some something and and make a talk about it. Uh, so where I normally go to, uh, so Twitter is big, uh, Reddit is is, is big. Uh, so there's a lot of conferences, especially like the DroidCon conferences and 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 KotlinCon uh, and all of those conferences, like. Even if you don't, if you can't afford to go to them, all of their talks are pretty much free afterwards, right? So that's always a good place to, to go and, and find out what's happening.
0: Speaking of conferences, I understand there's uh, something coming up at the end of March. You want to talk a little bit about the, uh, the event you've yeah. got planned?
3: Yeah. So we have an engineer on my team, Klaus, which will uh, do a talk about uh, the, Re- the transition from Realm Java to Realm. Uh, to Realm Kotlin and why were you making that transition and what are the technical challenges around that? So there's a lot of, so the Java SDK is built on a lot of very complicated technologies like annotation processes and bytecode transformations, uh, which has the benefits, but it's also, it, it is causing builds to be slow. While in Kotlin, we can we can use compiler plugins instead, which gives us a, a lot more power and will make it a lot faster. So yeah, he's going to do a talk all around that. So I would definitely recommend seeing that. So, and you can sign up on livemongodb.com, I think.
0: Okay, great. And once again, we'll put a a link in the show notes. So make sure you check those show notes for all of the details.
2: Yeah, and and live.mongodb.com is also the home of the Realm Global Community. And if you sign up for the Realm Global Community, you will get advance notice of all of these events that we're running you know, particularly with COVID over the last year, we've seen, you know, every event has gone online and some of them are very successful, some of them less so. So here at MongoDB, we've decided to, you know, take that into our own control as well and run numerous meetups that we are essentially putting people like Christian and Klaus in front of all of our users. And they, you know, are running the meetup, they're doing a presentation, but there's Q&A at the end as well too. And it's very valuable to get, you know, essentially direct access to the engineers who build our SDKs. So live.mongodb.com, join the Realm Global community, and then
0: you'll get first notice of all of these new events that we've planned throughout the year. We've done it again. Some great content around Realm. Christian, thank you so much for spending some time with us and helping us to understand a bit more about, about Realm and the Java and Kotlin space and Android. You're definitely welcome. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, Nick. Thanks. Thank you very much. Very enjoyable. Thank you. Thanks so much to Christiane and to Shane for joining us today, helping us understand more about the MongoDB Realm, Android, Kotlin, and Java world. Remember to head on over to mongodb.live to check out the Innovation Award nominations. If you've got questions about how to use MongoDB Realm Mobile in the Java, Kotlin, Android space, or any space for that matter, visit us in the community at community.mongodb.com. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.
1: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe. Have a question or a suggestion for the show? Visit us in the MongoDB community forums at community.mongodb.com.
0: The best tech conference of the year is coming to Las Vegas, November 28th through December 2nd, and MongoDB will be there. Check us out at booth 1611 for prizes, swag, and to learn all about the Atlas developer data platform. Can't make it to the show but still want to enjoy the fun? Check out the MongoDB live stream for live interviews and discussions of all the exciting announcements from the show. Visit mongodb.com reinvent for more information.